Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. It's been said, church, listen, it's been said that a troubled soul is an invitation to healing. A troubled soul is an invitation to healing. Today, as you walked in the door, you may find yourselves in need of healing. You see, whether the week has been a little trouble, like you go, Ben, it's just been a weird week, or it's been a whole lot of trouble that you barely made it to church tonight, that kind of trouble, our troubled soul tonight may be in need of some healing. As we come to Psalm 142, we're reminded of a few things. First and foremost, I want to set the stage and I want you to sort of feel what's going on where, where David is right now. According to 1 Samuel 22, David is on the run. He's on the run, and right now we find him hiding in a cave at Adullam. Now, some people might say, well, Ben, he wasn't at Adullam. He might have been in Engedi. Well, nonetheless, most scholars believe he was at Adullam, but he's nonetheless, he's in a cave. He's in a cave. And I wonder if he's asking himself, where's my life gone? What have I become? What am I doing in a cave? I mean, this is the safest place for me. I'm in, I'm in a cave. Now, the problem is, is that King Saul is running after me. I'm a fugitive. He's trying to kill me. I didn't do anything to King Saul. But nonetheless, he's, he's coming after me, and I'm, I'm in a cave. I could not imagine, church, for one minute, what it would be like to run with a hit on your head. You know what I'm talking about? Thinking, always looking over your shoulder, wondering what's going to happen and, 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 and feeling this. Well, not only that, David's in a cave. He's in a cave. But he's also embarrassed. How so? Do you remember he tried to join the Philistine camp, the enemy's camp, and Achish was like, no, you need to go home. And so, so he's actually embarrassed. And, and so David comes with a lot, you guys need to understand this, a lot of emotions as he hides in a cave and actually writes this psalm. He's in a cave. It was Charles Spurgeon who wrote, who once said, caves make good closets for prayer. Caves make good closets for prayer. Their gloom and solitude are helpful to to the exercise of devotion. Had David prayed as much In his palace, as he did in the cave, he might never have fallen into the act which brought such misery upon his latter days, end quote. I like Charles Spurgeon. You know that? And I started to think about what he said. Caves make good closets. And sometimes when we're in a cave, that's a really good place to pray. It's a really good place to pray. Now, I know... We have all in this room felt like David. Even from the smallest things where you go, man, it's been a weird week. It's just been a weird week. I mean, a lot of weird things happened kind of thing. 
to where you might come in here today and go, man, I've, I've got a troubled soul. I've got a troubled soul. So the question is, guys, as we ponder our text tonight, what do we do when we find ourselves in a cave? Hypothetically speaking, what do we do? Like, like really, what options do we have? You see, there are many people who find themselves just like David did. And you and I today can attest to the world has gone crazy. The world has gone crazy. You realize that we are calling good evil. And we are calling evil good. And we've taken the very thing that is sacred and we have muddied it. Now I say we, I'm talking about the world. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy world. I know most of you probably wake up going, okay, today might be the day the Lord Jesus comes back for us. And it's hallelujah, amen, but it's still in that like, wow, this could be the day. This could be the day. Nathalie and I were talking the other day at the dinner table, and we said it's both exciting and yet a bit scary. What's scary about it? Well, it's, it's the unknown. It's the unknown. We don't, we don't know. We know we've read it. The hard podzo. Okay, when? How? Woo. Are our clothes going to be here? What's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. You're going to, I don't want to be left behind. No, I'm not left behind. Jesus loves me. Okay. And, and all of the stuff that goes with that. But putting the world aside, Let's put the world aside for all this craziness. I bet there are some really hard emotional caves that we seem to be hiding in. You go, well, like, well, like what? Well, again, I started to, uh, I started to let my mind do a little imagination. I thought, what are some of the caves that we hide in? And I think one of the greatest caves we hide in is fear. It's the cave of fear. Fear of what, Pastor? Well, you define that. What are you afraid of? What is the fear that's, that's keeping you from all that God wants you to be? What is that fear? It's, it's fear. Some of us fear death. Some of us fear life. Some of us had feared COVID. Some of us had feared vaccines. Some of us had feared, I mean, political stuff. Some, we, we, we're, we're hiding in the cave. Some of us are hiding in the cave of rejection. Rejection. Hey, if people really know who I am, they're going to reject me because, you know. I know a lot of people are hiding in the fear of worry. We worry. Some of you have the gift of worry. Those of you that laughed have the gift of worry. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a gift, Lord. It's a gift. I worry. Some of us in this room tonight are probably hiding in the cave of loneliness. And although we're married and have a big family or whatever it might be, or we, we're, we're at work with a bunch of bunch of people, we're, we're lonely deep down inside.
I myself struggled with this uh, several years back, but it's the cave of depression. It's the cave of depression. I bet some of us are hiding in that cave. I also know a few folks that are hiding in the cave of death. You go, what do you mean death? They're afraid to die. They're afraid to die. You see, somehow they're not really sure if they're saved. And somehow our religious background maybe have brought us up saying, if you don't do this, this, and this, or this, this, and you don't work this, and you're not doing... And so I'm going to read my Bible every single day, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to help the poor, I'm going to give money here. I just want to make sure that I'm in. God, God, do you see what I'm doing? And we fear death. And I really like the post that I read this morning in one of my friends on Facebook who said there... 90-plus-year-old grandma transitioned from this earth to heaven. I like that. It's not death. I'm just moving. I'm just moving. Right? And one of these days you're going to hear, Ben Martinez died, unless you go first. But I like what they say. Don't believe it. Because for us, we're never going to be more alive than then. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. I think a cave that, uh, that we all hide in, and you go, nah, it's only for kids. It's peer pressure. It's peer pressure. And you don't realize that adults have a lot of peer pressure as well. well what are you going to do? And, and I think that's some caves. And, I, and again, think about this fear and rejection and worry and loneliness and depression and death and peer pressure. I think some of us hide in the caves of the approval of others. Such as a spouse or family. Our soul is troubled, but we've learned to hide it very well. And people ask, how are you doing? How are you? And you say with a smile, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And we quickly respond by saying, how are you doing? How are you doing? You see, I don't want them to look deep in my heart and say, how are you doing, and me really tell you, do you want to know how I'm really doing? Well, no, I really don't. Because then I'd have to sit here and listen. I really don't have time to listen. I'm very busy. But you need to understand, that's what's going on in our world. If you go to the grocery store today and you ask the clerk as you're checking out the groceries, how are you doing? And she says, fine. And you go, no, how are you really doing? Do you have time to sit and say, hey, okay, let me, let me minister to her? I love that David understands that the cave he's hiding in is simply a metaphor for all the things that he has endured in the last several years. Now, we do know that David is truly and physically hiding in a cave as he pens this psalm. We understand that. And so, let's jump into our text. Note with me the title, okay, first and foremost... A contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. Now, if you have that on your Bible, you need to go ahead and circle that word contemplation. 
Okay, let's not miss out on this. Why? Because it's the Hebrew word mashil, mashil, and in, and or maskil is some way some people pronounce it. And what it means is instruction and prayer. He's he wants to instruct us. And if you're taking note, think about this. This is the last of eight psalms from the period of David's flight from Saul. This is the last one. But he, we saw in Psalm 34, we saw Psalm 52, Psalm 54, Psalm 56, Psalm 57, Psalm 59, and 63, and now we get to 142. So what does David do? David writes an instruction as well as a prayer when? When he found himself alone in the cave of Adullam. He finds himself on alone. He finds himself on the run. He finds himself broken, most likely miserable, dare I say scared? And I would often say lonely. That's David. That's David. Now, here's what I love about the Word of God. The Word of God paints real people in real scenarios. It's not some fairy tale, oh, everybody turns out great, hallelujah. It's not. It's the word of God, real people with real problems. So that you and I go, I can relate. I can relate. Well, you'll bend, 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 time out. I'm not, I'm not hiding in a cave. No, 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 we're not hiding in caves. But there are a lot of things going on emotionally inside us that are keeping us from actually drawing closer to the Lord Jesus. So as I looked at Psalm 42, it really is broken down into three parts. So if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Verses 1 to 2, what's David doing? He's simply crying out to God. He's crying out to the Lord. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. That's verses 1 to 2. And then verses 3 to 4, we see David's complaint that his enemies wanted him dead and that no one cares. Ever been there? Ever been where you look up and you go, you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. Nobody would miss me. You see, one of the biggest problems we have with people who tend or or attempt to take their own life is that they feel like no one cares about them, like they wouldn't be missed. And then in verses 5 through 7, David, his prayer changes direction. And what he does, guys, is he shows confidence in the Lord's Deliverance, And I think we miss that from time to time. I think we miss the Lord delivering us from those things that keep us in bondage. We miss it. You see, growing up, there would be ministries, and they were called deliverance ministries, and it got really weird. And so people were going, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they'd come in here and, and it would get really, really, and, and, and it, would, it started to... to 
gravitate away from the word of God into, into sensationalism and, and just all this stuff. And, and, and I think, but, but I think the Lord still wants to deliver us. I, I think the Lord still wants to heal us. I think we're missing those things. I mean, think of the song that we just sang. I just want to be where you are. But what's holding us back from drawing into the closest presence of God that we can on this earth? I know that when we spend time in his presence, there's a smile that can't be wiped off your face. There's a joy. You've been with the Lord. I've been with the Lord. The whole world is, I know, but I've been with the Lord. I just, it was so cool. And I was singing and I just could, I've, been, I've just been with the Lord. How you been with the Lord? I've been with the Lord. I've been with the Lord. It's so good. I've been with the Lord. But what does the enemy seek to do? Keep you so busy that you don't spend time in the presence of the Lord. Because I don't want you to walk around with that smile on your face. I don't want to walk you around with joy. I don't want you to be happy. I want to show the world, this is the enemy speaking, I want to show the world how miserable it is to be a believer, to be a Christian. David says, no, 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 listen. I believe that we can be healed. I can be healed. So let's jump into our text, guys. Let's jump into our text. Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2. David writes, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. Your attention, please. Notice, notice the repeated words and idea throughout this section is highlighted with the psalmist's anguish, with David's anguish, right? He sees God as his only hope. But let's go back just a little bit. Let's unpack the verse. David writes, I cry, where? I cry out to the Lord. In your Bibles, if you want to highlight that, underline it, here's what it means. It's so important. It means to call for help, to summon, to cry out in need. Can you imagine? David says, God, help! Reminds me of Peter when Peter was sinking in the ocean, thought he could walk on the water, was doing a great job up until he got his eyes off of what he was doing onto the circumstances, the waves and the wind. And what does he do? He said, Lord, help! That's a cry out. It's a cry out. That's what David's doing. David's in the cave. God, Lord, help me! Help me. Help me. Help me. I was thinking about this. David crying out. He's in a cave. He's in a cave. Did I mention he was in a cave? David's in a cave, but he's crying out. And, it, and, and, and you know where my mind went? My mind went to current events. What was current events? Well, you all know what happened at the Oscars this weekend. I mean, it's all over, okay? None of us ever even knew the Oscars was on <laughs> until the next day. Oh, we had the Oscars. But, but think about this. Now, some of you might go, Pastor Ben, it was staged. Let me just show. Okay, just 
put that aside. If you think it was staged, whatever you might be, views, no view. I don't, we don't even know what's real anymore. But let me just say this. Let me say this to you. What can we learn? What can we learn from the Oscars and the morning, Sunday, Monday morning memes? But it does show us one thing. Staged or not staged, it doesn't matter how rich you are. And it doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't matter how much status you have. If this is true, this man was broken and he was hiding in a cave. His actions are not justified. The hurt is very real if you pay attention. These are actions of a hurting and broken man. Found laughing just minutes before, it all came rushing out. What? Fear, hurt, anxiety, rejection. And this man, like ours, his only hope is in God. His only hope is in God. Like David, he needed to cry out for help. And I think about that. I think about that. Because you need to know the backstory of the whole situation. The man is broken. His family was broken. Well, they were separated. His wife had an affair. Cry out to the Lord. Hey, man, what, what cave are you? Well, David says, man, I'm crying out to God for help. I'm crying out to God for help. I'm crying out to God for help. But he says something very interesting. Notice with me. He says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice, I make my supplication. David cries out, and here's what the word means, audibly and earnestly. He wasn't just talking, right? He didn't find himself in a cave that had an echo, and he said, hello, hello, hello. Lord Jesus, Lord. You know, he doesn't, he he just, he's crying out with his voice. Now, you and I both know there are times that you pray, and how do you pray? You pray silently. You pray in your mind. You're praying as you drive. You're in your mind. You're, okay. And you're thinking and you cry out to God in your mind. There's other times you cry out to God in your actions. Your hands lifted high, whatever it might be. David says, I don't, I, I just, I can't do that. I need to cry out with my voice. With my voice. So I asked, why? Why, why, David? I mean, you're in the cave by yourself. I think sometimes, church, you can jot this down, we simply need to speak those things that are already in our heart. You you understand that? We just need to speak it. God, I'm broken. God, save me. God, I'm hurt. God, I don't understand. Why... A voice is a very good thing to communicate what you want, right? Am I right? Those of you that have been married, I think, I think, um, Mike and Eva probably been married. Who's been married the long, how long you been married? 42. Anybody more than 42? How much? For, oh, gotcha by a year. Okay. Let me say this. Let me say this. Mike, Tim, you cannot read 
your ma, your wife's mind. I mean, you could look you you probably good about her looks about now. It's like, ooh, I'm in trouble. But it's when she communicates with her voice that you that you know what you did wrong. Can I get an amen? Right, brother Joe? Yeah. That's the truth. Let me illustrate it this way if I have just a few minutes. I was at Brother Joe's the other day, and I took a water break, and Beverly comes out, and she very well communicated her frustration with Brother Joe. Brother Joe said, I'm not afraid to die, and she says, you need to stop talking like that. Pretty clear voice, was it not? Brother Joe said, okay, I got you, I got you, sweetie, I got you. I said, I didn't come over to to mediate a fight here, guys. I'm out. They weren't fighting. I'm just kidding. David uses his voice. David uses his voice. For what? Well, notice what he says again, guys, and, and, and I think about it. He says, with my voice to the Lord, I made my supplication. My supplication. You know what that means? Humbly begging for something. So not only is he going, God, help, God, help, help me, Lord. And he's humbly, he's going, God, please. Can you imagine? He's in a cave. He's all alone. He's just, he feels like his life is a mess. It's a wreck. God, help. Help me, God. You're my only hope. I'm begging you, God. I'm begging you. I'm not even proud. I don't even, I don't even want to be king. I just, I just, God, please. Please. In verse 1, we see that David is crying out to the Lord, pleading for mercy. Have mercy on me, Lord. Show compassion. He's pouring out his complaint. That's what we see. Notice what he says again, guys. You can see it. He says, I pour out my complaint. He's pouring out his complaint, but here's what I need you to see. He's pouring out his complaint, but that doesn't mean he's complaining. Hello? He's not grumbling against God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have we ever grumbled against God? That's not what he's doing. Here's what it means. It means he's just crying out to God concerning his anxiety. He's telling God his troubles, his anguish, his affliction, his troubles, troubles and distress. That's what he's doing. He's just telling God. He's not complaining. Oh, I've, I've done the opposite. I've complained to God. God, I can't believe this. Man, why, why, why would you treat me this way, God? And don't, don't you see that I love you? And I don't know, you know, and, and, and the Lord's like, really? When you're done complaining, we can talk. But it's so much better when he says, here's my complaint, God. I'm, I just need you. I'm really stressed out. I'm really worried. I'm really, Freaked out. Now, what happens? What happens, Brother Joe? What happens, Brother Joe, is that we, we sort of, okay, I'll fix it. Internally, I'll fix it. I'll, what, what do I need to do? I'll fix it. I'll fix it. David can't fix anything. He's in a cave. He can't go and, and live a free life. Saul's going to kill him. He can't go to the Philistines. They're going to kill him. You're going to see later on, he ain't got nobody. Nobody cares for him, right? He was the original writer of that song. I ain't got nobody. Michael, Michael know that one after church, I'm sure. But I think this is great application for us. So even tonight, as you pray, tell the Lord of your fears and your afflictions and your worries. Not in a complaining way, but in a way of communicating to the Lord those things 
uh, again, communicating to the Lord of those things that often want to bind us and put us in bondage. I wonder if you all are like me and you are um, crying out to the Lord and, and you're wanting him to resolve a situation or you have a problem or maybe there's a worry in your life and you say, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to cast my care. Here it is, Lord. And then, ah, somebody knows what I'm talking about and then we take it back. Do, 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 take it back. That's what we do, don't we? God, here it is. Here, okay, I'm giving it to you. God, you you take care of it, Lord. I don't think he's doing it right. Let me help you out. Right? Do, 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 Lord. I think we should just, we should cry out to the Lord that way. Lord, I'm not complaining. I just, I just need you. The reason the psalm resonates with your heart, when you read it, is because I believe that you've been in a state like this. That you all have been in a cave, as it were. And unfortunately, some of us are in a cave right now. I know that you know what it's like to be in a cave. I understand that you have not been pursued by the armies as David was. I get that. And you've not taken refuge in a cave like David did. But what you do know is that even tonight, you have a troubled soul. You know what it's like to be in anguish. You know what it's like to be in distress. You know when it's like to be frustrated. You know what it's like to be worried. You know what it's like. You know what it's like to be alone. You know what it feels like when no one notices you. And you tell yourself, nobody would miss me if I'm gone. And you tell yourself, no one cares. You know what it's like when you felt so small and insignificant, trapped, walled in, with nowhere to go. A lot of times when I put my Bible study together, I try to imagine. Now, I've been to En and I've seen the caves that David was hiding in. We didn't get a chance to go in a cave, but I can imagine And I try to imagine what it's like to be in a cave. You can't go very far in. The only opening is here, and I can't go out there because... So my question is, if we're in a cave, if we're feeling this way, will you... Will you run to God in your time of need? Will you truly give it to him and say, Lord, it's yours. This situation at work, at home, wherever it might be, it's yours. It's yours. It's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to do. When Nathalie was diagnosed with cancer, I had to make that decision. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, you gave her to me for 27 years. And I thank you for that. And here's what I had to come to. Lord, if you want to take her home, here's what I have to remember. And I'm being selfish. This is my wife. Don't, she can't leave me here in this world by myself. I said, Lord, she was your daughter first. So if you want to take her home, Lord, I trust you.
Now, I sound super spiritual, but there were times when I pulled that back and said, Lord, please, no, don't, God, please, don't take my wife from me. Please don't. Take that. No, I didn't say that. Take that person. Just kidding. You know how I'm, you guys know what I'm saying. You guys understand what I'm saying. Are, will we, are we running? And you know what God did? He showed up. He showed up in the most amazing way. But see, that's where deliverance comes in, guys, where we go and we allow the Lord to heal marriages. We allow the Lord to heal our lives. We allow the Lord to heal those hurts and those, and those things that we've, that we just sustained when we were children. We, we allow the Lord to heal those, those nasty words the enemy tells us that we failed and we messed up and we're never any good. God can heal that, guys. That's, that's what he's talking about. So I guess the question is, will you run to God in your time of need? And will you just lay it, give it before him? Before him. Well, we go to the second part. Notice verse 3 and 4. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way which I should walk, you have, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look at my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. We can't blame David. He's in a cave. They're trying to kill him. He's got no friends, no family. Oh, everybody's turned their back on him. So what's his complaint? His complaint is he's alone and no one cares for them. Man, are there times when we really feel this way. I'm alone. And he says, when my spirit is overwhelmed, you go, what does that mean? Feeble, weak. That's what it means. David expresses his spirit was tired. It was weak and feeble. He says, man, when I was just, when I just couldn't go anymore, I have all these, these, this, it was just within me. All these emotions were happening inside. So at this point, guys, notice with me, church, at this point, David really has two options. You go, what's that? He could whine, complain, throw a fit. I've seen people cuss God out, sit in solitude, hold their breath. That's what a lot of us do. Or he could turn his eyes to the Lord and pour out what's going on in his heart. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. And he says, then you. Notice the word you, guys, in that. Then you. It's capitalized. God. Then you. Abba. Then you. Father. What did I do? He says, you knew my path in the way I should walk. And here's what I put next to my Bible. That's guidance. He's guiding me. He's guiding me. He knew where I should go. It almost makes you think he poured out, he knew exactly what cave David should run into. Why? Because sometimes caves make great prayer closets, don't they? Some of our best praying is when we're in distress. And it comes from just the deepest part of our heart. God help. God help. God, guide my steps. I love the fact that when we're in despair, the Lord guides our steps. 
And sometimes we think we're doing it. Sometimes we think we're in control and we're not in control of anything. And when you gave your life to the Lord, he said, I'm going to guide you every step of the way. Now, you may not understand what I'm doing right now, but you will. But you will. Notice what David, notice what's going on in his heart, guys. He says, whenever I go, my enemy set a trap for me. Can you imagine? That's how he's feeling. Wherever I go. If I go to the grocery store, there's a trap. If I head over to the ball field, there's a trap. You know what he's talking about. He's really, he's really tripping right here, man. And he says, and what I look for, I look for someone to come and help me. But no one gives me a passing thought. Where's Dave? Oh, Dave. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. This is what Dave's saying. Can we relate or not, man? Can we relate or not? Now, I don't believe what David is saying is what I call the Eeyore effect. You understand that, okay? David's not sitting here sulking and going, you know what, um, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I guess I'll go eat worms. That's, what, that's, that's the song, right? It's not Eeyore. I don't think it's Eeyore. I don't think he's like this in the cave. Everybody hates me, God. Right? Because then we're trying to manipulate God. We're trying to, God, if, if, if you could just see how sad I am, maybe you'll send some blessings my way. That's not Dave. Dave already knows who God is. He already does. And so again, what does he do? It's confession to the Lord. Lord, I'm tired. Help me. I feel like nobody cares about me. No one understands what I'm going through. And so David expresses what? That he trusts God's help even though he's terrified. And he anticipates that his enemies will catch him. He sees the Lord as his last hiding place and the only one who can help him. Do we see God like that? Do we see God like that? Now, just for a minute, remember, contemplation is instruction. So what is David trying to instruct us? What is he trying to teach us? Number one, he was disowned and deserted by his friends. That's what he's saying. I had a lot of friends as long as I was buying, as long as I had all the money, as long as I was the life of the party, but as soon as I went broke, we see that in Luke chapter 15, right? The, the story of the prodigal son. He, as long as he was buying with dad's money, everybody wanted to be around him. As soon as he went broke, they said, peace, homie. Number two, when David was popular, everyone wanted to be around him. But the moment he was made an outlaw, everyone deserted him. No one would even give him a night's lodging. Nobody said, hey, Dave, I know you're tripping, dude. Come on, go ahead and stay with me a couple of nights. Let me ask my wife, is it okay if David stays here? Nobody. He ends up in a cave. Number three, David realizes that God is known for, known as condition from the beginning. David says, oh, you knew this, God. And for this reason, he really states the fact of his trouble and describes the sense of his depressed state. He's just going, God, this is it. This is it. I'm not complaining. I'm just letting you know this is where I am. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Planting this church 18 years ago was what I call death hard. You go, what do you mean? We struggled and struggled and strained and tried to get it off the ground. And we, and I remember, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, 
This is what you do to guys who are trying to serve you. I mean, come on, Lord. We've, this is what we're doing. And it wasn't until the Lord took us out in the wilderness just a little bit and said, no, no, no. I'm going to build the men before I build the church. And so he began to pour into me and help me learn and grow. And so what David does, guys, is he turns his eyes upon Jesus. Look at verse 5. He says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in my land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, David writes, that I may praise your name. The righteousness shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Wow, guys, this is really deep. David is saying so much here, but if you're taking note, you need to jot this down right here. What's that? This is a turning point. This is a turning point for David. How so? This was his lowest point right here. And usually it's at our lowest that causes us to turn. This is David. He says, then I prayed, then I prayed, I cried out. And he said, Lord, hear my prayer. He says, you are my place of refuge. Here's what he said, really? You are all I really want in life. You guys with me? That's what David said. Do you see that? Now, let's get serious for a moment. Not that you were not serious. The Lord Jesus is all we really want and need in life. Can I get a big amen? The Lord Jesus blesses us with other people, and he blesses us with things. But that's not what makes us believers. It's Christ and Christ alone. Now, think about this. We all say from time to time, Lord, you're all I really want in life. You're all I really need. This is what all I really want in life. And we tell the Lord that when? Until he's all that we have. You understand what I'm saying. God, you're all I really want. I love you. None of this, Matt. Wait, don't take it. God, don't take it. Whoa, hey, hey. Wait, whoa. whoa. And then you find yourself broke. You find yourself, I mean, all this stuff is, did you mean it? I think of the Levites in the Old Testament, guys. They never got any land. Why? Because the Lord says, you get God. Never got any land. You get God. Your inheritance is me. Your inheritance with me. Now, think about this. Think about this. I know a person. I was going to say, he's my, they're not my friends. I don't know them that way. We don't. But I know a person in Lubbock, you might, who's a multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire. I know of him. To my understanding, the 6,000 square foot house was too small, so now they're building a 10,000 square foot house. That probably has a pool and all this stuff. I mean, all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff. And as I listened intently, 
You know what I told the Lord? Lord, that's crazy money. I'd like to try it sometime. Wouldn't, wouldn't you just like to try it? I would. I'm not lying. Just, wow. And he says, but Ben, yes, Lord. He says, you're a Levite. Yes, Lord. He says, you get me. And then he asks us a serious question. You ready? You ready, Levites? Is Jesus enough? If everything was taken away from you tonight, look deep in your hearts. Is Jesus enough? That's where we got to be, church. That's where we got to be. Well, it goes on. He says, Hear my cry. For I am very low, rescue me from my persecutors, for they are strong for me. Bring me out of the prison so that I can thank you. The godly will crowd me, for you are good to me. David begs the Lord for help and portrays him as a hiding place and an ally. So he begs the Lord, guys. He begs the Lord. He helps him in this desperate moment to save him from the powerful people chasing him. God, please. Then David closes with the final plea of help with an expression of confidence that he would be rescued and eventually find himself among godly friends. God, please, please. As we close our study tonight, my admonition to all of us is to turn our eyes upon Jesus. For you see, we can find him in the text But before we do, let me remind you what we talked about. A troubled soul is an invitation to healing. We must first use the steps we learned tonight. You go, what's the first step? Cry out to God. You go, Ben, everything's great in my life. Cry out to God. It's okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Number two, share your heart to Jesus. Not to complain, but to be clean. To be clean. Have you ever had to just air out? You guys know what I'm talking about? You just had to air out. That's what my mother-in-law calls it. I just had to air out. And basically, it's not to push anybody down or anything. It's just to get it out. Got it out. And sometimes when we cry out to Jesus, it's not to complain, God, you're not doing this right, and you're not doing this right, and I wish you would do this, and I wish you would do that, and I wish you would do this. He's not saying that. What he's saying, guys, is I just need to get it out. I need to hear it. And then the third thing is turn with confidence that God is your refuge. God, you're going to be there for me. God, if you're going to be there for me. So if we are to turn our eyes upon Jesus, where's Jesus in this text? Well, number one, we see that Jesus poured his troubled to his God and Father. We see that. Remember David writes, I pour my complaint before him and declare him my troubles. We know that the Lord did that. We know that he did that on the cross when he said, God, God, why have you forsaken me? We see he did that at the Garden of Gethsemane as he was in anguish and anxiety, sweating great drops of blood. We can almost see Jesus praying to the Father, pouring out his difficulties and his troubles. 
Number two, we see Jesus in the text because he was forsaken by all, was he not? David writes, look at my right hand and see, for there is no one there. No one acknowledges me. That's what the Lord said. Where were his closest comrades? Where were his closest friends when the Romans came? They were gone. And one of Jesus' most trusted friends said, I don't know him. I don't know him. And last but not least, Jesus was rescued from the prison of death and the tomb. David says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. So guys, I want to give an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move. Maybe tonight we just need to cry out to the Lord. As we... As we go out tonight, let us go out rejoicing. And we cry out to the Lord, and He says, May the Lord bless you guys. May He keep you. May you have a great, great, great rest of the night and a great week. Hey, smile. The, the God of heaven loves you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.